Having three kids is a joy and a lot of fun. However, sometimes it's a little bit challenging. One thing that I often hear from my kids in the more difficult moments of parenting are these words, it's not fair. And usually it's because one child thinks that another child got some advantage that they didn't get. And so those words echo, it's not fair. But kids aren't the only ones who struggle with issues of fairness, are they? As adults, we, we too, we struggle when circumstances of life simply don't seem fair. How, how do we respond when life isn't fair, when things seem completely wrong to us? Well, those are the questions that we'll think about this morning as we look in Ecclesiastes chapter 8. You'll remember that Ecclesiastes was written by King Solomon. He wrote to address the big issues of life. What's the meaning of life? What's the purpose? Questions like, how do you deal with adversity and suffering? These kinds of questions are pressing in on Solomon as he writes the book of Ecclesiastes. Let's take a look uh, at chapter 8. Who is like the wise person and who knows the interpretation of a matter? A person's wisdom brightens his face and the sternness of, of his face is changed. Keep the king's command because of your oath made before God. Do not be in a hurry. Leave his presence and don't persist in a bad cause since he will do whatever he wants. For the king's word is authoritative and who can say to him, what are you doing? The one who keeps a command will not experience anything harmful and a wise heart knows the right time and procedure. For every activity, there is a right time and procedure, even though a person's troubles are heavy on him. Yet no one knows what will happen, because who can tell him what will happen? No one has authority over the wind to restrain it, and there is no authority over the day of death. No one is discharged during battle, and wickedness will not allow those who practice it to escape. So in verse 1, Solomon underscores the value of wisdom. Attaining some wisdom is both possible and desirable, giving life to a person and perhaps enabling one to influence those in powers as Solomon turns his attention to the king in verse 2. Obeying the king was a way to honor God because in these times, loyalty to the king was, was pledged. And so Solomon says to follow through with, with your oath is important. That's a way to honor God. Solomon here urges patience in dealing with those who are in authority, he also warns against continuing an idea that the king opposes. The king has authority, Solomon says. Who can rebuke him? Besides God, of course. But what if you have an evil king? What if you have a king who, who is wicked? You see, when leaders are evil, you must trust God. This is a good word for us today. A very good word for us today as we look around and we see corruption in government and we see government overreach. We're reminded in the midst of the craziness of all of this, we need to hold fast to God. We need to trust that God is at work even though we fear our government, perhaps, or even though we don't trust our government. 
If your life is marked by obedience, there'll be a proper way to, to deal with your problems. Solomon says here, the right time and the right procedure. So obey the will of God and trust him in your circumstances. In verse six, the word that's translated activity can also mean joy or delight. So when you're troubled and burdened, there'll be a time when the trouble comes to an end, when things are made right. That's what Solomon's saying here. So if you're facing pain right now, trust God. He's at work. He is sovereign and he has a plan. Solomon's made that point over and over throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, in the midst of your pain, if you can make a change, then do. That's wise. But if you can't make a change in the midst of your pain, then trust God with it. Trust that he's at work. In verse 7, Solomon highlights our lack of knowledge of the future. We have such limited knowledge. We don't know what the future holds. Even though we don't know what the future holds, we strive to live wisely now. What does that mean? That means every day get up and read the Bible. Get up and, and do good to your spouse. Love your kids. Work hard. Seek to share Jesus with others. Do what you know God would have you do each day and then leave the future in his hands. Some of you give up today by worrying about tomorrow. This isn't a wise way to live. We can't know the future. But brothers and sisters, we know who holds the future. Jesus too urged his followers to trust God. In Matthew 6, 27, he asked this, can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? So Solomon says, rest and leave the future in his hands. In verse 8, Solomon explores obvious human limitations. People have no authority over the wind. We can't control the weather. I suppose there are those who believe we can, but we can't. We just can't control the weather. We don't have that kind of power. That's in God's hands. The word for wind here may be translated spirit. And in that case, Solomon is referring to the human spirit which none of us can control the spirit of another. So again, Solomon's underscoring these areas where we're limited, where we don't have power. Humans, Solomon says, have no authority over the day of their death. Now, a king to some degree has authority over one's death, but ultimately, these things are in the hands of God. The king doesn't release soldiers in the middle of a battle. In other words, in the midst of, uh, of war, a soldier can't decide, hey, I'm walking away. The king's not going to release him. He's under the king's authority, another human limitation. But that's not all. Solomon says those who practice wickedness will not escape the consequences. If they manage to escape governing authorities, they will not escape God's authority. So we are limited creatures. Solomon underscores that here in verse 8. Let's take a look at verse 9 and following. All this I have seen, applying my mind to all the work that is done under the sun at a time when one person has authority over another to his harm. In such circumstances, I saw the wicked buried. They came and went from the holy place and they were praised in the city where they did those things. This too is futile because the sentence against an evil act is not carried out quickly the heart of people is filled with the desire to commit evil. Although a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life, 
I also know that it will go well with God-fearing people, for they are reverent before him. However, it will not go well with the wicked, and they will not lengthen their days like a shadow, for they are not reverent before God. There is a futility that is done on the earth. There are righteous people who get what the actions of the wicked deserve. And there are wicked people who get what the actions of the righteous deserve. I say that this too is futile. So I commended enjoyment because there is nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat, drink, and enjoy himself. For this will accompany him in his labor during the days of his life that God gives him under the sun. When I applied my mind to know wisdom and to observe the activity that is done on the earth, even though one's eyes do not close in sleep day or night, I observed all the work of God and concluded that a person is unable to discover the work that's done under the sun. Even though a person labors hard to explore it, he cannot find it. Even if a wise person claims to know it, he is unable to discover it. So Solomon observed life and he thought deeply about all the work that's done under the sun, that is, here on earth. And he explored, he says, in verse 9, the implications of when a wicked person was in authority to the harm of others. Solomon saw the wicked die, receiving honorable burials, being praised, likely in Jerusalem where they had behaved in a wicked manner. Solomon says the reality is that, that the evil prosper and, and they're not facing swift judgment. It leads others down that path of, of sin. In verse 12, he says, even though a wicked person does evil over and over again, it seems like his life just keeps going and going and going. But then God says, you know what? I, I'm sorry, Solomon says, you know what? God is going to take care of those who fear him. Now, in this declaration, we see Solomon's faith in God. He's confident that God will vindicate the righteous, even if he hasn't yet seen that. Notice that Solomon has said over and over, I saw or I observed. The injustices of life are plain for all to see. But again, Solomon's response is one of faith. He says, I know that it will go well with the righteous. He is sure of God's faithfulness to his people, even if he can't always see it. So living in the fear of God is the right path. It's the safe path. To fear God is to recognize his splendor, his glory, his majesty, and to live a life accordingly in, in all of life. If, if we really fear God, it means that the way we live at home the way we live at work, the way we live when we're by ourselves, and the way we live when we're here, it's all the same. We seek to live a life that's consistent, that recognizes how great and awesome God is. We want to live a life that recognizes our reverence for Him. Now, in verse 12, Solomon said that the evil lengthen their days, and in verse 13, he says that the evil will not lengthen their days. So what's Solomon up to? Well, in his first statement, he's speaking of life under the sun. That is, he's speaking from a secular perspective. From a secular perspective, he's frustrated by the longevity of the wicked. But in verse 13, he looks at the issue with his faith in view. And suddenly things look differently. Time is understood differently, as a matter of fact, when faith is in the picture. As Solomon was certain that God would not allow the wicked 
to avoid judgment. Now, the frailty or the brevity of human life is captured in this imagery of the shadow that, that Solomon speaks of. Solomon is saying the wicked prosper now, but they will not prosper in the shadow. That is, they will not prosper after death. So Solomon's response to the injustices of life is faith in God, trust that God will make things right. In verse 14, Solomon summarizes what he's already said. Life is filled with injustice. It's futility that the righteous receive what the wicked deserve and that the wicked receive what the righteous deserve. Why do the bad guys win and the good guys lose? Again, Solomon doesn't answer the question. In truth, he can't. Instead, he urges us to trust God. To trust God with these inequities. We must come to terms with the reality that we frequently can't change or even understand the injustices around us. But being in turmoil over this fact is pointless, Solomon says. Instead of fretting and, and being miserable when life is unfair, Solomon says, enjoy life under the sun. Life here on earth, that is, eat, drink, and have fun with the time that God has given. He's not encouraging sinful behavior or any kind of sinful revelry. No, he's just saying enjoy the simple pleasures of life. Throughout the book, Solomon has acknowledged that many questions remain unanswered. But this need not make life unlivable. No believers should enjoy every single day that God has given. Do things that you enjoy. Solomon, again, has said this over and over. Spend time with your spouse or a good friend. Laugh a lot. Have a piece of chocolate cake. Take time off. Enjoy your family. Have a good meal. To put it simply, embrace and enjoy every moment that you have. Even though life is unfair, and even though you see apparent injustice all around you, Solomon says this is life under the sun. This is life here on earth. In verse 16, when Solomon applied his mind to know wisdom and observe the activity on the earth, he was so troubled that he couldn't sleep day or night. He saw the work of God and he decided it was impossible to understand what God was doing. He decided it was impossible to understand what was happening under the sun. Even though a person tries and tries to understand, he can't figure it out. God is God and we are not. Walking with him always requires faith. So what can we learn from Solomon this morning? When life isn't fair, keep trusting God. You may face a wicked ruler, a terrible government, but trust that God is at work, even amidst the turmoil. So do what's right. Submit to authorities unless they require you to disobey God's word, and in that case, obey God. In the face of problems, if you can make a change, do. But if you can't, then rest in him. Trust that he's at work. And when you look around and you see wicked people thriving and, and you feel like you're, you're withering, keep holding on to him. He'll make things right. You can trust him. He will always do right. 
This is no time to abandon him or walk away from your faith. Do you remember being in school? And maybe on a particular day, several kids in class would would be acting up. Maybe the teacher would get really frustrated and, and she would say, you know what, everybody, you've got extra work now. Or she might say, you know what, you're gonna miss some of your time at recess. And man, that would make me so mad. I would just get so frustrated to, to have extra work or to lose time at recess. Maybe some of the other kids deserve the punishment, but I was sure I didn't. I'm sure I gave myself a little too much credit there. But you know what? Life feels that way to us, doesn't it? At times, it feels like we're, we're getting the punishment for something that, that we didn't do. When it feels like you've done right, but you're getting the short end of the stick, you're faced with a decision. Are you going to hold on to God? Are you going to keep trusting Him, or are you going to walk away and grow bitter toward Him? How do you trust God when life isn't fair? Well, Solomon gives us some clues. First, don't allow your confusion to push you away from God. Solomon had thought and thought about all that he observed in life, and it didn't make a bit of sense. Why do the wicked flourish? Why do the righteous face great pain? Why do those who are bad seem to to do so well? Solomon had tried to answer these questions, but he discovered there wasn't a chance that he could. What was his response? He trusted God amidst the confusion. As a Christian, you're going to face things in life that feel completely unfair. You can think and think and think, but you won't be able to boil it down to a simple equation. Two plus two equals four. No, nothing will add up. And you'll wonder in your heart how God could allow this or, or that in your life. After all, you've sought him. You've tried to walk faithfully with him. Where is he? It's at this point, brothers and sisters, as I mentioned a moment ago, you will be tempted to walk away from God, to say, forget it, Jack, but don't do that. Don't do that. That's the worst thing you could do. No, in your confusion, keep holding on to him. In your pain, know that he cares, that that he has a plan. So in your confusion and in your hurt, do not allow space to develop between you and God. You keep holding on. So how do you trust God when life isn't fair? Well, you you don't allow space to come between you and your confusion. And second, don't allow your questions to keep you from enjoying life. Solomon admitted that he saw unfairness and injustice all around him. He tried to wrap his mind around it as as we've observed, but he couldn't. Even so, he urges us to enjoy life. Some of you are very analytical, like Solomon. You want to understand the whys of life. And if you can't, well, it creates a degree of misery in your heart. If that's you, if you're one of those analytical types, I want you to know something. Your life is going to be miserable if you can't learn to trust God. Because life under the sun never quite makes sense from our perspective. Life here on earth is going to include things that are unfair and unjust. This side of heaven, that's reality. 
And so if you struggle, you've got to know the whys of life. Friend, I plead with you. Trust God. You're not going to be able to make sense of it all. You won't be able to turn it into an equation. You just got to trust Him. You got to keep holding on. Don't allow the questions of life to push you into a rut of misery. Instead, enjoy life and leave the questions with him. Trust him and embrace the time that you have. That's Solomon's word. So how do you trust God when when life isn't fair? Well, don't allow confusion to, to put space between you and God. Second, don't allow your questions to keep you from enjoying life. And third, Don't doubt God's assurance that he will make things right. Solomon was confident that God would ultimately reward the righteous, those who who walk with him, those who know him. If you're his, you can trust him to make things right too. You may have been wronged in a terrible way. You may have faced all sorts of unfairness and inequity. But God, God will make things right. It may be on the other side of heaven, But friends, he will make things right. You can trust him. He's just. He's always righteous. He will do what's right. So how can you trust God when life is unfair? Well, don't allow your confusion to put space between you and God. Don't allow the questions to keep you from enjoying life. And don't doubt that God will make things right. I read the story of a kite that was flying and the kite began to talk to itself and the kite said, if if only I could get rid of this string. If the string wasn't holding me back, then I could soar, I could soar high above the clouds. I could fly as high as I wanted to. If I could get rid of this string, there would be nothing holding me back. I'm so limited by this string. One day, the kite got its wish The string broke, but the kite didn't soar. No, it came crashing to the ground. What the kite didn't realize is that the same string that kept it down also kept it up. Cutting the string didn't make the kite freer. The kite couldn't understand the value of the string. The string seemed to restrict him. It seemed unfair to him that he had to be tied down by that string. And some of you are like that kite right now. You can't understand what you're facing. Life feels unfair. Things just seem wrong. But brothers and sisters, trust God with the strings of this life. Trust him even when the winds of adversity are blowing against you and life feels completely unfair. If you are his, he will make things right. He will make things right one day. So brothers and sisters, when life isn't fair, keep trusting him. If you're here today and you're listening in on what I'm saying, what what I mean to you is this. These things that we've talked about today, the promises that we've talked about today, these are promises that belong to those who know God, who have a relationship with him. And if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with him, You've been listening in to promises that belong to to the people of God. But today, if you don't know him, you could come to know him. You could become a part of God's family. You could become one of his children. 
You see, the Bible tells us that every single one of us is a sinner. And that sin separates us from God because God is completely holy, perfectly holy. In God's great love, he sent his son, Jesus, to this earth. And when Jesus came to earth, he lived a perfect life. He didn't do anything wrong, but he was nailed to a cross. And on the cross, he took the punishment for our sins upon himself. And he was buried, and God raised him from the dead. And when we turn away from our sin, the Bible uses the word repent, and we put our faith in Jesus, God does an amazing miracle. He takes all the the sin of our lives, and he puts it on his son, Jesus, and he takes the perfect righteousness of Jesus, and he gives it to us. And now we're able to be in a right relationship with a God who's perfectly holy and we're able to enter a heaven that's perfect not because we're perfect or good enough but because the goodness of Jesus has been given to us. Friend, has that ever happened in your life? If it hasn't, the promises that we've talked about this morning don't apply to you. But they could. Oh, they could. If you would call out to him and say, God, forgive me for my sins. I don't want to take that path anymore. God, I believe that Jesus died, that he was buried, and that he was raised to life, and I want to follow him. You see, the Bible says that if you call out to God like that, God will save you, and he'll never let you go. Oh, and the glorious promises that we've talked about this morning, they'll be yours in Christ. And one day, though this earth can be incredibly cruel, And life can be very unfair under the sun. Friend, one day, you'll have the joy and the glory of knowing the eternal God for all eternity in heaven. And everything will be right. There'll be no more tears of pain, no more heartache, no more long nights. Friend, if you've never trusted Jesus today, won't you call out to him? If you're listening online and, and you would like to, to turn to Christ, text the word Jesus to our church phone number and someone will be in contact. If you're here today, in just a few minutes, we'll stand and sing. When we do, I'll be here. A couple of other elders will be here. We would love to talk with you more about following Jesus. Now, don't misunderstand me. You, you don't have to talk to me or, or anyone else. You can talk to Jesus right where you're at. But we would love the opportunity to walk alongside you as you, as you make this decision. For those of you who are Christians and who are going through a difficult time, maybe there are lots of questions flooding your mind, lots and lots of questions filling your heart. Maybe it just feels, frankly, that God is completely unfair, that he's let you down. If that's you, I I plead with you. Don't lose heart. Keep trusting him. I wish I could answer the questions. You know I can't. I can't. But friend, I know the only hope that you have, well, the only hope that you have is to keep holding on to him. So I plead with you, amidst the confusion, amidst the questions, call out to him for the grace to keep trusting Let's pray together.